1: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.
0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Haley Hubbard. Hi, I'm Jessica Diamond. This is our show, Meaningful Living, where we break down the overwhelming amount of parenting, lifestyle, and relationship information into credible and digestible knowledge and tools. Parenting is hard. And the thousands of decisions we're forced
1: to make every day can feel daunting. While we've never had access to so much information, it's
0: never been harder to find the knowledge we need to feel confident in the choices we make. We're sharing completely uncensored information here. It can be messy, but it's always fun and always real. Check out Meaningful Living anywhere you listen to your podcast. It takes a village and we can't wait for you to join ours. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contesta podcast, the show that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice so that you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and today I want to focus on a word we as women hear a lot, ambitious. Have you ever wondered what ambitious really means outside of Instagram memes and quotes? Have you ever felt like you have unfulfilled ambitions, even though you are quote unquote successful? Or maybe you're wondering why setting and hitting your career goals each year doesn't leave you more fulfilled. These tough questions are why I've invited Tiffany Dufu, founder of The Crew, on the show today. Get ready for some answers and to learn four ways you can realize your own career intentions. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Tiffany Dufu is the founder of The Crew, author of Drop the Ball, and has been an advocate for women and their career ambitions for years. Tiffany, I'm so glad you could join us today. Thank you for having me. So when I was reading your bio to prep for our interview, I loved that you had mentioned a story about how you had a breakfast with a successful woman who had, quote, unfulfilled ambitions. And that really stuck with me because I feel like a lot of women feel that. Like we sometimes can't put it into words and obviously you're a writer, so you were able to do that. But what do you think is going on right now with women, ambitions, you know, the quote unquote death of the girl boss, the stuff in between the pandemic? I know this is a big loaded question, but what what do you think is happening with this unfulfilled ambitions?
1: I think there's a number of things happening. Um, I should first mention that the best book I've ever read on ambition is by a woman named Anna Fells. It's a book called Necessary Dreams. And she defines ambition as both this desire to achieve mastery over your craft, meaning you want to do something really well, combined with a desire to receive public recognition for it. You want other people to know that you do this really well. You want your gold star. And if you both want to achieve mastery and you want credit, then you are ambitious. The challenge with ambition and with women, and it's still going on because it's a cultural challenge, is that girls and women are not socialized to feel as if it's okay or that they should want to get a lot of credit or take the credit. So we often end up ambivalent about our ambition because we know and we have a huge desire to be really good at things. But when it comes to making sure that everybody knows that we are really good at it, we start to feel like, ooh, I don't want to overshadow. I want to be humble. I don't want to cause too much of a ruckus. And that's where the ambivalence comes in. And so part of the the challenge here with our ambition is, one, knowing exactly what it is, really owning and embracing that in order to fully lean into our ambition, we are going to need to amplify ourselves. We're going to need to listen to podcasts like Career Contessa to figure out how to really leverage our personal brand, that we're going to need to figure out a strategy in the workplace to make sure that not just we are amplifying our good work, but that other people in the workplace are. And we're going to have to figure out how, if we have other responsibilities, which all women usually do, regardless of your actual status, even me as a young professional, when I was in my 20s, I didn't have children, but I was caregiving for my mom. I was helping to pay her rent. I had a little sister. You know, we all have different caregiving responsibilities that you are prioritizing yourself and your career in the process of also taking care of others and not making decisions early, too early, that are going to hamper or limit your ability to really thrive and rise. And understanding that your own individual and personal ambition and your success is tied to a larger narrative. If if you're not successful, we're not going to have enough women in power and in leadership, and we're all going to be the fools for it.
0: Yeah, I know. I have felt that this fear of like making the wrong move, God forbid you close one of the like a hundred doors and windows open in the metaphorical house that we're (laughs) holding up, I guess or are in. And so I think there's to your point about the success is like, you're trying to make sure whatever you're doing now leads to that path. It's a lot of pressure for women. It's a lot of pressure. And what's
1: interesting is that we know that we're supposed to keep as many options open as possible. And yet we're constantly psychologically closing doors. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from a mentor who I had gone to because many years ago, I saw a job posting that I knew was mine and that I felt would really help to accelerate my career, but it would require my family to move to a different city. And I was concerned about uprooting my family, what they would think about it. And she said to me, I'll never forget, her name was Joan. She said, Tiffany, one of the observations that I've made about you is that you're constantly worried about decisions that you don't even have to make. She says, you're worried about uprooting your family and moving to this new city. Honey, you haven't even applied for the job. (laughs) If you don't <laughs> yeah. Have a job offer. I think that if you would spend your energy focused on generating those options for yourself, as opposed to worrying about options that you don't even have to make, that you would get much further faster. So, in the optionality around our ambition, making sure that we're not psychologically closing ourselves off to opportunity in the process of trying to generate more options.
0: Yeah. My mom likes to say, don't borrow trouble before you, <laughs> you have it, and it's, it. <laughs> it's, you know, or it's like my sister and I talk a lot about this. Cause I'm like, you're getting anxious about something before you have to actually be anxious about it. Like, you know, it's like save that energy. So that is such good advice. And I, I know you're absolutely right that a lot of us psychologically go down every pathway before we've even taken this, the first step. Um, so you talked about in the answer before about, women needing to kind of learn how to get noticed for their ambitions and their hard work and, and the amazing work they do. How do they do that? Like, is it about making it louder on your LinkedIn profiles? Is it being louder on your Instagram? Like what? I mean, and I also sometimes wonder if like what we think is the right way to do it is actually what works for getting us to, you know, career opportunities and moving up in our careers and moving forward. So how do we do that? What, what are the secrets?
1: Yes, I think the most important thing, certainly for me in my career, is the frequency with which other people are telling your story. You know, we have this myth that our good work, is going to speak for itself. And our yeah. that's not true. Our work does not speak for itself. We have to speak for it. But even more powerfully, it's important that other people speak for it. Your brand is actually not your LinkedIn profile or the number of followers that you have on Twitter or Insta. Your brand is the conversation that real people have about their real experience with you. So the most important thing that you can do, and I know we're going to get to this, is to have people in your life who know what your ambitions are who know what your dreams are, that you communicate this information to so that as you are accelerating in your career, as you're hitting it out of the ballpark on this project, you can communicate to them how you hitting it out of the ballpark on this project is going to lead to some future opportunity and why it would be great for them to mention to X, Y, or Z that you're doing this, why it's good for them to post your article that you've posted on LinkedIn It's great that you posted it, but it's more important that other people are posting it and that other people are amplifying you. And really cultivating that village and that circle of support, both in terms of finding your crew, which is a more intimate circle, but also your larger village, is is actually more important um, than you sitting down and trying to figure out a strategy yourself. One of Mm -hmm. the observations that I've made in listening to so many women's stories is that we often first ask ourselves when we have a problem how am i going to solve this problem but the more important question for all of us to ask is who is going to help me to solve this problem and it's not any different for making sure that you're tuning your own horn and that other people are understanding the power of your performance
0: wow so okay you mentioned there's two kind of these two different accountability groups in your life or networks in your life and obviously your company is called the crew so tell everyone what what is the crew in terms of what your company does, but also what is your crew in terms of this like, quote unquote, secret to success?
1: Yes. So I feel that I've gotten where I am today, not just because I'm smart and I work hard, but because I actually have a crew. It's a group of women who I meet with on a regular basis. Um, I share with them what it is that I want to realize in my life. And they effectively hold my feet to the fire for it. And in fact, Launching this company called The Crew was one of my ambitions that I declared to them that they held me accountable for doing uh, because I had all kinds of barriers and reasons why I couldn't get it off of the ground. And they were like, enough of that. Like, all right, already. When is it? (laughs) When is it? Launching. The reason why a crew is so important is because we are 90% more likely to realize our ambition, uh, what we call in the crew an intention. If you do two things, one is if another person or a group of people know exactly what it is. So you've declared your intention to a group of people. But more importantly, if you regularly check in with that group of people, and there are other models that we're familiar with that show the power of this and accountability, whether it's AA, whether it's Toastmasters, the challenge is that most of us don't have a group of people who are regularly connecting with specifically around our personal and professional success. We might have other social categories. We have family, we have friends, we have coworkers, we have neighbors, but a crew is a third, you know, rail social category that I think all of us should have in order for us to move forward. So in the crew, our, you know, value proposition is that we're taking the network the work out of the networking that if you don't already have this group of people that will match you, we have an algorithm that helps us enable that matching and we'll connect you with a group of people that you meet with once a month. You upload your intentions into our portal along with actions against it. And we, we help to support you and provide the scaffolding for you and your crew to be successful. But even if you don't apply to our crew at the crew.com, You might have a crew and not know it. So there are three aspects to a crew, whether it's our crew or whether it's your crew that are really important to your success. The first goes back to that accountability. If you are already connecting with a group of people and in anticipation of you meeting with them, you're a little nervous or anxious because you didn't do what you said you were going to do (laughs) the last time you met with them. That's good. That means that that group of people is holding you accountable for your dreams. If you're just happy to go hang out with your girls and like catch up and drink cocktails and you don't feel any accountability pressure, that's probably more of a friendship group. The second part of having a really amazing crew has to do with the objectivity of the relationship. Uh, at the crew, we're matching with a group of people who care about you, but they're not invested in your decision-making. So if you have an ambition to get that job that's going to take you to a new city, it's not your partner who's like, I don't know if I want to move. It's not your best friend who's like, oh, but we you know, have been hanging out together in this city you know, for all this time. I don't know what that's going to mean for our relationship. Your crew has no stick in the game. So if you're meeting with your crew and if somebody gives you insight or advice and you feel like, you know, if I don't take this advice, it's going to jeopardize the relationship or they might feel like I'm not listening to them. That that person, that, that's not objective enough. That person's probably a friend. Uh, you're probably too close to that person. Uh, the third has to do with diversity, which is something that our crew members really value. If you have a crew of people who You all went to the same school and I have groups like this. My sorority sisters, for example, we all went to the same school. We're all African-American. We're all college educated. We're all women of faith. We're all we have so many things that are in common and there is absolutely a purpose and a need. I wouldn't be here without my line sisters, you know, without my sorority sisters. But they're not the best crew because they don't have the diversity in terms of perspective and thought. So, you know, if your crew is also diverse, they're coming from different backgrounds, different industries, different family configurations, I think you probably set yourself up for success.
0: Yeah, I, that's a really good point. That that whole groupthink thing that we hear about when we're talking about diversity within companies is also important in your own crew. And everybody who's interested in the crew, we link to it in the show notes, but also it's cru. Yeah, uh, or it's com in case they they want to learn more. I know because I, I think a lot of people are like, yes, I want something like that. I don't want to do the networking thing, which is so nice that you guys just make it easy peasy for them to apply. And um, so you guys can check it out more on, on your website. I want to take a quick break and talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. We're speaking a lot about setting career intentions and career goals on today's episode. But if you feel like there's some sort of overarching feeling that's interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goal, then professional counseling might be the route for you. BetterHelp makes it easier to get professional counseling from a licensed therapist. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's super easy to connect to your counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. Plus, you can now get help on your own time and at your own pace and schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors with varying specialties ranging from depression, stress and anxiety to self-esteem, sleeping, trauma and much more. Anything you share is confidential. And if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time with no additional charge. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. Send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp includes 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states who are available worldwide through text, chat, phone, and video. Start communicating in under 24 hours. Best of all is a truly affordable option. The Career Contessa podcast listeners get ten percent off your first month with the discount code Females, F E M A I L S. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com/females. Simply fill out the questionnaire and help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's BetterHelp.com/females. F-E-M-A-I-L-S to get 10% off your first month. All right, now let's get back to the show. Can we quickly define for everyone, what is the difference between a career intention and a career goal?
1: Oh, thank you for asking this question. This is one of my favorite topics. Think of it this way. A career goal is an external target outside of yourself. I want to get a promotion, something that you see that's ahead of you, it's outside of you, and you want to take actions to reach that. A career intention is a decision that you make that is centered not in an external target, but in your mindset, in your choices, in the people who you choose to surround yourself with. In the actions that you take, and the strategy that you take, and the reason why we focus on intentions in the crew, and not goals, is because there's this thing called life that often happens to us. What? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And what happens when you're very focused on external targets is that when life happens and circumstances present themselves in such a way that that target becomes out of reach or you can't achieve it, you're you're devastated you could be incapacitated. You know, you, uh, you focus on the goal of getting the promotion, but then when it's time for the promotions to be announced, Jim, you know, next to you got the promotion and not you, but guess what? If you were focused on it as an intention, you would have scheduled time with a mentor who you developed a relationship with. And by the time there was an announcement that Jim got the promotion, your mentor can share with you, you know what Jim And like his dad and your boss, like they went to school together and there's all kinds of political reasons. Let me just tell you why Jim got that promotion. And you have the insight that you need. If it's about intention, everyone in the organization knows that you really nailed that project or that That sales target. And so you've got more brand recognition because you were focused on let me nail this project. Let me find a mentor. Let me find someone who will help demystify this. Let me get clear about what would be required. And in that process, you've still learned, you've still grown you've evolved, you might have decided at that point, you know what, forget them. I don't even want a promotion here. I need to work at a different company where my talent is really recognized and where it's really valued. So you're not left in the lurch when that external target isn't achieved in exactly the way that you thought. And so it's just a more deeper, pragmatic, I think, way of approaching life that leaves us more intact.
0: Yeah. It makes me think of the difference between a fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And intentions are more in the growth mindset category, whereas goals are more in the fixed mindset category. Yes, um, yes.
1: And Carol Dweck has an amazing book on mindset that people should read if they haven't already read that delves into the difference between the two.
0: What's the name of the book?
1: It's called Mindset and it's by oh, okay. uh, a woman named Carol Dweck. Her last okay, name is
0: W-E-C-K. Amazing. Thank you. I I feel like me and probably everyone who listens to this, it's like we're always looking for good recommendations. And, you know, there's a gazillion career books out there. So these are. These are the good ones, you guys. <laughs> Tiffany obsessed, knows.
1: Yeah, I'm obsessed with books. I, I read a lot of them, but largely because when I was earlier in my career, they were the cheapest form of leadership and career development. Um, it's what, so true. You no, know, mm-hmm. we didn't even have a bunch of podcasts like what you're doing here, Lauren. So thank you for your work. But you know, I couldn't. I didn't always have the clout to get into the conference or the event, and I certainly did not have a company that was going to pay twenty thousand dollars for me to go through a leadership development program. So books
0: became, you know, my strategy. Yeah, I agree. I, I always tell people, I'm like, you have so many options today. Books, podcasts. I mean, just the fact that you can get the books on tape, like yes. uh, so many good options. Okay, Tiffany. So let's give everyone some tips on how they can realize their career intention. So your, your very first step for people to take is to get clear about what matters most to you. And I hear a bunch of people uh, through this podcast saying, How do I do that? It's not like I'm not trying to be clear about what I want. It's just like, how do you do that?
1: Yes. One of the first questions I always ask when I connect with women is what matters most to you? Most of the time people rattle off different parts of their lives. My career matters to me. My family matters to me. My health matters to me. The question that you want to ask yourself is what do I hope to achieve in relationship to those areas of my life? My career is important to me, but what matters most is that I'm advancing women and girls. That's why I'm here. My marriage is important to me, but what matters most is that I'm nurturing a healthy partnership. My kids are important to me, but what matters most is that I'm raising conscious global citizens. If you are struggling with, well, how do I develop those nice, pretty sentences? (laughs) ladder up to what matters most to me. There are a number of exercises that you can do. One of the most simple, um, and I think prescient right now, given that a lot of people are losing their lives to this pandemic that, that we're all plagued with is exercise that Stephen Covey made popular in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is to imagine that it's the end of your journey Uh, your funeral, and that three people are eulogizing you, a family member, a friend, and a coworker, what would you want them to say about you at the end of your journey here? Would you want them to stand up and say, you know, she got that promotion? Would you want them to stand up and say, you know, she got a lot of things done on her to-do list? Probably not. You'd probably want them to say something really impactful about the difference that you made. You know, what you do is far less important than the difference you make. And that exercise really takes you out of the trees and gets you into the forest of, okay, at the end of the day, what really matters to me?
0: What would I want people to say about me? And it's a way of working backward from there. Mm-hmm. That's that's a really good tip. So step two is learn how to solicit feedback—the kind that you need to hear, not that you want to hear. Uh, so please tell us why you even had to add that little tidbit, because yes. obviously we yes. sometimes we go to people we know are going to tell us what we want to hear. It sounds like exactly we do. It's very
1: it's very difficult in part because we want to do well. Uh, remember that part of being ambitious is you want to achieve mastery of your craft. One of the things that I don't think we appreciate enough is that achieving that mastery requires messing up a lot, uh, making a lot of mistakes. And if you're someone for whom a lot of people have invested in you and you've been open to that, you've gotten a lot of constructive feedback. Like my mentor telling me, pull yourself together and like, stop worrying about things that you don't need to, to worry about. The most important thing is to ask for feedback by sharing stories about people in the past who shared difficult feedback with you and the difference that it made for you. If you're not doing that, the chances that you're getting really solid constructive feedback are very low. Not because you're not an open person. It's because most people who are managing other people did not go through an amazing management training program. Most people got just thrown into management and most managers suck at giving really effective feedback. So you'll need to say, hey, Lauren, I really want to grow in this role and in my leadership. I know that we in Q4 need to hit this target and I feel like I could really get there. One of the things that I'm looking for is some really good constructive feedback about how I can grow and learn here. And the times in my career where people have really given that to me has made an extraordinary difference. I once had a boss who shared with me that I needed to get through my projects faster and stop trying to make all of them perfect because I was slowing the team down. And that really taught me that X, Y, or Z, do you have any constructive feedback like that, that will really help me to grow, but also will help our organization to thrive because I'll be able to apply my highest and best use to our challenges. Mm -hmm. That's how you ask for feedback and you create a safe space for the person to say, yeah, Um, you're still doing that (laughs) or, you know, here's the challenge. If you're not giving people examples of times in the past when someone gave you tough feedback and showing them that you're not going to cry, you can take it, you're obsessed with it because you want to grow and learn, I'm telling you the chances are you're not getting the feedback. And part of the reason why I know is because often in the workplace, you know, there were times in my career where someone would ask a young woman, usually, can I take you to coffee or a lunch? You know, I really want to be successful here. And one of the questions I would always ask is if I just was at the water cooler when we, when we had those, um, yeah. <laughs> and I ran into your manager and I asked them, how's Jessica doing, you know, and the work was, what would she just say to me? Not in the formal meeting, but just like at the water cooler, what would she say? And Nine times out of 10, she'd have to think about it. And then she would say, well, I think that my manager would say this. Well, lo and behold, I'm by the water cooler with the manager. And I always would follow up randomly and just ask, hey, what do you think of this person? And the times when what Jessica said to me in that coffee and what their manager said to me were the same thing was very rare very rare. And that's
0: because they're not asking for feedback often enough. Oh. So they're not totally in tune with what the manager really thinks yeah. about them, their work, et cetera. Well, okay. they may
1: be asking for feedback, but they may be saying, you know, how how did I do on that project? They may be asking for feedback in a way that their manager thinks, oh, they're just fishing for like, oh, you did such a good job <laughs> as opposed yeah. to asking for it in a way that they're going to get the real solid feedback. Uh, and that's usually where the disconnect is. So if you right now Don't have clarity. And one of the best ways to get the clarity is to tell the story I just told, is to say to your manager, hey, I'm just wondering if like somebody was at the water cooler next to you, like you came out of the executive
0: team meeting and somebody just randomly kind of asked
1: you, how am I doing? What would you say to them?
0: Yeah. That's, that's good advice. I'm curious, you are a boss, you manage people. Do you have a process for giving feedback on a regular basis or do you wait for people to come to you and it's more informal? How do you guys do it at the crew?
1: Hmm. That's a very interesting question. So at the crew, we have a 30, 60, 90 day reflection process. So we ask each one of us, except I don't really have a boss, so I just have to do it myself and I to reflect back over the last 30 days and to really think about what you learned, what surprised you, what are you most concerned about? So we really encourage people at The Crew because our mission is to help women realize their life intentions of this level of self-awareness and self-exploration so that you're not having to solicit the feedback. It's not like your boss is telling you how you're doing. It's like you're reflecting and then your boss is responding to that. So that's how we do it formally. But I I do want to share because I know there's a lot of women who are the first, you know, 10 years of their career who are really ambitious. I actually think of it differently. And I think it's important for you to know how individuals think of it. I believe that feedback is a gift. And it's a gift I really only give to people that I've decided I'm going to invest in. So you know whether or not Tiffany's invested in you by how hard I am on you, as strangely as that sounds. If I'm just pinging you on Zoom, which I do, to say, "Hey, I really think that this was incredible, or I really think that you missed the mark on this. What do you think about that? As, as crazy as that, you, know, as that drives you crazy, that actually is beautiful from my perspective, because I feel like my investment, in giving this feedback is going to yield returns for my company, for this person, but also for me, because Mm -hmm. one of my mentors taught me that it's going to get really lonely at the top if you don't send the elevator back down. So I need a bunch of incredible superstars that I'm helping to nurture and grow. Usually, if you're not hearing a lot of feedback from me, I've kind of decided I'm not sure if it's worth the investment or I'm not clear, or I'm not confident that you can handle the feedback. There there could be a reason. And, and that's with all of my knowledge and insight about yeah. That's just from a very personal...
0: No, I think it's really helpful because a lot of people listening to this might be a manager. And on the flip side, it's always interesting to know how are managers thinking about it? I I know people, this is going to shock them. Managers are people, you know what I mean? And like, we, we, we are trying to figure this out. And it makes me always think of like, they always say this, like the coach who's always like harassing that player. It's because they know they can do better. It's kind of the same idea. And it's always kind of fascinating to me because a lot of, you know, strategies or things that worked when we were like kids or like how we learned are kind of, when they're used in the workplace, they work like the gold star, like, you know, the reward system, you know, the, the recognition, like there are, are things that work with humans for a reason. Um, and so I, I think hearing how you're doing it is really great and you're right. It, it is lonely at the top. And so, um, it's always interesting to hear the feedback going both ways. Okay. So your third step was to find your crew, which I know we've we've covered. So let's move into your fourth step, which is to ask for help over and over and over and over again. And I think some people think asking for help is not necessarily a sign of weakness, but I know that it can come across as, um, you know, you don't want to show, especially maybe to your boss or a client that you're trying to land that you don't know the answer. So, Can we talk about asking for help, but also sort of this, this thing about like asking for, or maybe showing that you, you need help or that you don't know all the answers. Yes.
1: I think what's most important to understand is that that fear of asking for help specifically because it may show that you don't know the answers is, is not humility. It's actually your ego. Uh, It means you have a big ego. Uh, You, you, (laughs) you in your mind think that you should know. answers and you want other people to think that you know them, it is one of the most dangerous forms of the ego manifesting. Um, It's actually can be worse than someone who shows up in an arrogant way, whose ego manifests as arrogance, because it can be really dangerous and that you think that you're helping and that you're doing good. But in fact, you are robbing uh, yourself, your team, your organization of the solutions and the ingenuity and the talent that you have simply because you don't want people to know that you don't necessarily know the answer. So one of the most, I think, brave and certainly for me, sure signs of self-assuredness, confidence that someone was raised right, what do you call it? You know, I think of that because I'm a parent and I'm like, yeah, this is how I want my daughter to show up. This is why I want my son to show up, is someone who asks a lot of questions. It's someone who can be vulnerable enough to share that they don't know. Because what that tells me is that person's self-worth and their identity is not tied to their performance. They already know that they're smart and that they're beautiful, and that they're loved. They don't have to prove that in any way, shape, or form. And once someone has that, sky's the limit. I can teach yeah. them how to find the information in HubSpot. I can teach them how to develop an amazing acquisition strategy. We can work together to you know, create incredible content. All that we can learn, and we can figure that out. But I can't teach you how to love yourself. I can't teach yeah. you how to show up with the confidence and to be rooted in yourself. And so that to me is just always a sign when someone can't ask questions or they start a new job and it's like, they go silent because they think they're supposed to be absorbing all of this information and like learning it perfectly. And then they're just going to emerge like some butterfly from a cocoon, (laughs) this perfect performance marketer or something. And you're like, um, that's not really the way it works. You kind of have to do it, screw up, learn from that, try again. It's called
0: life. Yeah, I, I I said this once to a friend. I said insecurity is really hard to manage, you know. And and I meant it in terms of like when you're managing someone or you're working with someone. This could be you with a coworker too. And it's like someone not asking for help because their ego won't allow them to, or their insecurities in their own lives are 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 so loud that they're not able to. I don't know ask the questions or be wrong about something, it really bleeds into all parts of your life. I, I And it's just, it's really, it's really hard. And so to your point, it's like we can teach people how to find stuff, but we can't teach you how to um, disconnect your ego from your, your identity being wrapped around your performance. And, and that's something I think for people who are maybe applying for new jobs or thinking about career pivots or thinking about, well, what do I want my career intention to be? You know, those are that's a really good place to start, or something for I guess to leave everybody who's listening to this with that question. You know, think about that. Because I, I, to your point, Tiffany, it's like people will invest in you because they know they can teach you a skill or they can teach you how to find that thing or do something. But if you are so tied to your performance, you're you're going to you know you talked about seeing the forest through the trees, like that that isn't going to probably be uh, easy for you to do, and so you're basically just like. Working harder than you need to to get that. Absolutely. There's a really one of my friends, um, Amy Cuddy, wrote this
1: book called Presence Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Bringing Your Boldest Self to Your Biggest Challenges. And she did this TED Talk. That's probably one of the most watched TED Talks of all time, in which she introduced this idea of the Wonder Woman pose and your body. But the book itself, I really encourage people to read it because it goes deeper into the psychology of what presence is, which is really a deep sense of comfort. With yourself. Mm-hmm. When you're comfortable with yourself, other people have this sense of comfort. And it makes your life um, and certainly your professional life so much easier. People trust you, people believe you, you can get them to follow you, you can yep. get them to really invest in you in a powerful way. Um, one of our crew members, Tanisha, she did this spotlight yesterday. She's this healer and this coach, and she was talking about how. What shows up in your life is a direct expression of how you feel about yourself.
0: Ah, (laughs) That's amazing. And also I could feel some people are cringing, you know, because they're thinking about what shows up in their life. So we should have her on the show because it's true. What you just said is totally true. Well, Tiffany, these are amazing tips on how to realize your career intentions. Where can people find you, learn more about you, mention your book, your website, all of that again, uh, because... uh, I, obviously, you guys. There's a lot more that Tiffany offers, and I know we're cutting it short, but that's that's how it goes in the podcast world. So, uh, Tiffany, share share where they can find you. Yes, My producer is like, thank God, <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> yes, I can't yes. have you. Send me another one hour episode. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my email is Tiffany at the And remember it's spelled C R U. That's my real email. Um, you can reach out to me. You can check out the crew at thecrew.com and I'm T T D-U-F-U on every social platform.
0: Amazing. And Tiffany also has a book. I know she's been literally creating our own personal book club through this episode, but it's called Drop the Ball. So don't forget that that's available as well. Tiffany, thank you so much for these amazing tips today. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review. Your reviews help our show so much. If you want to learn more about Tiffany and the crew, check out our show notes for links. Lastly, if you haven't checked out my book, Power Moves, How Women Can Pivot, Reboot and Build a Career Purpose, what are you waiting for? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But seriously, it's a top career book for a reason. And we've included a link to that in the show notes as well.